Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Matthew 28 and the 18th verse, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And uh, talking this morning, and just a a quick recap, you know, the the Lord has been uh, uh, really positioning us to take our place, I believe. He's positioning us to take our place in the day we live in. Uh, You know, there is a race that's set before us. And uh, anytime you have a race, you have a beginning, you have a middle, and you have an end. And um, we're, we're coming close to the end of, of the race, and it's important that we're in a position to run our leg, you know, and, and, and be where we need to be. I like, I don't know who, if somebody said this here, if I heard this somewhere else, you know, when you're, I think maybe pastor said it last week in a relay team, uh, uh, each, each segment of the race has got to get up to speed so when the baton is passed to them, there's not a delay, you know, the, the, the race team doesn't break down. And so the Lord is getting us up to speed uh, with what he wants to do and, and uh, getting us in position to, to finish things out strong. And uh, we know, you know, there's a great move of God that's underway and, and we're going to see more of it here and experience more of it. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's uh, my desire to be right in the middle of that and to not miss out on any single part of it, but have everything that he wants for us, you know, and, and God will honor that if that's really our desire, he'll honor that. And if it's really our desire, God will continue to do the things, instruct us in areas, and direct us in ways to get us there. You know, if you have a desire of something from him, he's going to do what it takes to get you in that place. Because he, why? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if we're seeking after more of him, he's going to position us to have more of him. Amen. He's going to position us to have more. He's going to put us in a position to, to be able to experience more and to cooperate better with him. And, and, you know, it takes us being open and it takes us being receptive to that and responsive to it. And, you know, if we'll do that, we'll be right where we need to be. Amen. And so, you know, we're trusting God for that and, and we know we, we, he's working here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the, the next little while has for us. I don't know how long we've got, but I'm excited to see what goes on. Amen. You know, we... we uh, uh, I think it's just, it's going to be really cool to see where God takes us and uh, the things that happen here and the things God's able to do. And one of those things that he wants to do is bring people into the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, as we said this morning, above everything else, that's his number one desire that people skip hell, make heaven. I mean, you know, just put it as simply as you can. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but wishes that all would, you know, would be born again. All would, would receive eternal life. He doesn't, he's not desiring that anybody miss out. You know, it just goes to show you how, how big God's love is for us and for humanity. I mean, you know, we, we look at things naturally. We see, we see people that you think, yeah, maybe God maybe not love that one quite so much. He loves everybody. And he, he's not desiring that anybody should perish. And so, uh, you know, we, we know the harvest is out there. We know that, uh, uh, that it's, it's a time to, to reap that harvest and, and to bring people into the kingdom of God. And so, you know, this is uh, the Great Commission here. We read this, Matthew chapter 18. And this is something that we're all familiar with. We, we know these scriptures. And, um, and uh, talking this morning, you know, we said in this uh, mention brought to light in verse 19, he said, go therefore and make disciples. He didn't say go therefore and make converts. 
He said, go therefore and make disciples. And so uh, talking about what disciples are, because, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know what one is, number one, how can you be one yourself? And number two, how can you make another one? How can you make disciples if you don't even know what it is? You know, I, there are things that I'm sure people here know that I don't know what they are. And if I were to try to recreate it, how would I do that if I don't even know what it is? And um, so it's important that we do that and, and that it's not just about people. God is interested in people being born again, but he's more interested in them being born again and being turned into disciples. And there is a difference. There is a difference. And just because someone believes in, and we talked about this, just because someone believes in the Lord Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that they're a disciple. And that is what he's after. Why, why is that? Because believers, when a person is a believer, uh, really it's, it's, it's all about them. As a believer, it's all, it's all about you. And when, as, but a disciple is a follower of Jesus. It's not, it moves from just being all about you to becoming more like him. And, and as we become more like him, then we're more useful to the kingdom of God. We're more useful for, for the master's service. You know, uh, we can be trusted with more. We can be used in greater ways. Uh, our impact can be greater. We can fulfill a greater uh, portion of the plan of God as we become more like him. And, uh, you know, it's important that, that we do this. And, and really, I, I'll just say this, you know, kind of skipping ahead, in dealing with people and ministering to people, you know, I, and I've, I've been guilty of this before myself, you know, you, you, you minister to someone, you share the gospel with someone, a lot of times there's this, uh, and I've seen it happen, uh, there's this, this thing, if I can just get them born again, uh, then, then that's the end all, just getting them born again. Really, that's not... You know, they need to get born, but they need to get plugged into uh, what God's doing. They, they need. I, I know sometimes I've heard people say, well, it seems a little disingenuous, you know, to, to minister to somebody and then invite them to your church. Because, you know, there are a lot of people that abuse that. They're really not after you getting born again. They're just after your church attendance. They want their numbers to look better. And, you know, and people see through that stuff. When you approach them, you have an ulterior motive. If your motive is just to get them in a pew so that your church can grow, you know, that, that's, that's, that just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth, you know. And it's not, then it doesn't really lend itself or lead to, to someone having experience with Jesus. They have an experience with religion. And that's the last thing somebody want, needs. That's the last thing somebody needs is just experience of religion. They need an experience with Jesus. They need an experience with, with God the Father. That's what they need. They don't just need, you know, a, a, a formula and all these things. You know, and of course there are formulas, there are patterns that we go after, yes, but they need to know Jesus. And so because of that abuse, I think sometimes people are reluctant to, to, uh, to pursue somebody and to try to uh, get them involved, you know, and, and, and uh, maybe in, when you have a good church, you know, it, the people are reluctant because they don't want to seem like they're after something other than just that individual. You understand what I'm saying? But getting them involved in the kingdom of God and on a path to grow and become a, becoming a disciple is in their best interest. It is something that they need. And yes, we need them as well, but they need that. And, uh, you know, when, you, when we're ministering to people, you know, there, there are opportunities, yes, to, to share the gospel with people, but there's also opportunities to incorporate them and bring them into the family of God, not just by believing, but also in fellowship, uh, bringing them in, in into, into, into a place of becoming more like him. So we need to be mindful of those things. Look for opportunities. Uh, when, when you're out there, out and about, and you're ministering to people, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, how to approach somebody and how to reach them, but then also how to keep them. You know, if, if somebody doesn't, if, if a person is not connected with Jesus, it's only just through uh, confessing Jesus as Lord of their life, and there's nothing else there uh, to help them shape their lives, 
and to help them to adjust themselves and to, uh, uh, to, to learn more about Jesus, to grow in the things of God. If there's not something there to help them, it's very easy for them to fall back into the way they were before. And yes, they'll make heaven, but, but that's the extent of their life. And, you know, I, I, I know when I get to heaven, I don't want to get there. And when I stand before the Lord, you know, uh, my crowning achievement was the fact that I confess Jesus as Savior. And that's all I have. You know, I've got, I've got my date. I mean, on this date, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. So I'm born again, and that's all I have to offer is my trust in the Lord. And I have nothing else to show. I mean, you know, Jesus has done such a great thing. God has done such a great work for us and made so much available to us that we, we want to uh, have something to present him. I mean, you know, that's, that's why we're here. That's the only reason we stay here after a person gets born again. If that was all it was about, then when someone would get born again, they'd just get caught away and that'd be it. Of course, if that happened, then no one else would get saved because there's, when they need someone to share the gospel with them, right? And so, you know, it, it's all about producing fruit and the best fruit we can have. The number one fruit is, is other people. And, and, and it would be a shame for any of us to get to heaven and stand before the Lord and have nothing to offer. Well, you realize when you minister to somebody and you lead them to the Lord, if we don't help them get on this path uh, of, of becoming a, not just a believer but a disciple, when they get to heaven, they'll have nothing to show for their life other than just being born again. And we had an opportunity to do something to help make sure that that didn't happen. Not just for, for, for uh, uh, obviously it's for other people's sake, but for their own sake, that they have something to present to the Lord. You know, as much as you don't want to stand before Jesus and have him say, well, you're done, right? I don't want somebody that I minister to at, at, at McDonald's or something to one day stand before the Lord and that's all he had to offer. And that's all that he heard was, well, you're done. You understand what I'm saying? So we, we want to make sure we're mindful of these things. The Lord is looking for not just converts, but he's looking for actual disciples. And so uh, we began to talk about these things, and, and, and we're going to talk about some of the attributes or some of the uh, characteristics of, of a disciple because uh, it's important that uh, what we mentioned here, we'll just read it again. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, verse 19. Uh, go therefore and make disciples. We mentioned who is he speaking to? He was speaking to his disciples. He wasn't speaking to the, the Pharisees. He wasn't speaking to someone else. He wasn't speaking to casual believers, those who believed in him but then didn't follow after him. You notice he always had further instruction for those who followed him, but those who didn't follow only believed he had no more information for them. He had nothing else to give them. And, uh, uh, but he was talking to his disciples. Why is that? Because disciples will create disciples. Uh, believe, just a believer alone won't be able to create disciples. Why is that? Because we reproduce what we are in others. Uh, uh, whatever it is that our strengths that we have, we will produce those strengths in the people we're around. What our weaknesses are uh, outside of the grace of God, we'll, we'll reproduce those weaknesses in those we're around. Right? I mean, and, and the things that we value, those will be the things that we, the values we instill in others. And the things we don't value will be the things that we don't, uh, those things that won't be valuable to others will because we'll, we have in, we'll have instilled that in them. And so uh, we will reproduce after ourselves. So before we can uh, really start looking at making disciples, we have to make sure that we are disciples. We have to make sure that we're disciples, that we are not just believers, but actual followers of Jesus. And, and I just want to say this, you know, the things that we're looking at, please don't feel condemned by any of this. If something steps on your toes, you know, that's not our goal. That, that's not my goal. That's not what I'm looking for. Uh, you know, this is something that the Lord has been talking to me about. Uh, just for my own personal sake to make sure that, that I'm uh, making adjustments where I need to make. Listen, we all have room to grow. 
We all have room to grow, and, and we will all have room to grow as long as we're here. Until Jesus comes back or, or we pass on, we'll all have room to grow. You know, and it's not till we get there that we'll see things face to face as they are. There'll always be things we're having to learn and grow in until we get there. So, you know, don't, don't feel condemned by this. If, if there's something that steps on your toes a little bit or for, uh, you know, I say that, that, that sounds like we're trying to step on your toes. If something, if something is said that hits you to where you're like, ugh, well, you know, you, you, you have an opportunity to either make an adjustment or, or to stay the way you are. But, but know this, a decision to stay the way, the, the way you are is a decision to stay a believer only and not a, a disciple. I mean, really, that's what it's about, a decision to not adjust and to not follow him in whatever that is, is a decision not to be a disciple in that area. And something that Shekinah Glory said, I think Lois Towster said this one time when they were here. She said, compromise in any area leads to compromise in another. And really, if, you, if we boil it down, when you see something in the Word uh, that applies to you and you decide not to do it, it's really just compromise. And compromise in one area will make it easier to compromise in another area. It's, it's just it's the way it is, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you're working out, if you, if you decide not to work out tomorrow, guess what? It's real easy not to work out on Tuesday, right? I mean, you know, if you decide not to eat the right thing at lunch, it's, it's even easier than to, to well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the right thing tomorrow, so I'll eat whatever I want to at dinner, right? Because there's always tomorrow. Anybody been there before? Hey, what's the big deal? I have one ice cream tonight. It's not a big deal. Well I, well, I had one last night. It didn't kill me, so I have another. Well, you know, it just snowballs. And so that's my weakness is ice cream at night. But anyway, um, you know, so compromise in any area is not good. And so like I said, don't feel condemned by it. We're all growing. And, 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 and we're all developing in these things. And, and you know, the Lord is pleased with us. When areas are uh, uh, exposed and, and when things are brought up that, that help us to see areas where, we're, where we can make an adjustment, and when we just respond, God is super happy with that. I mean, he's pleased with it. He's not expecting us to get everything right tomorrow, but he does expect us to be making small steps every day as he shows us things. And if we'll do that, the Lord is pleased with us. He, he's, he's just happy with us when we do that. It's like I said, the things that we talk about, don't be condemned by it. But when, when there are, if you see something that applies to you or something you can uh, uh, sharpen yourself up in, in this, this area or that area, well, be, be, be quick to do that. Amen? God will be honored by it, and it will be a blessing to you. So, uh, like I said before, you know, you're going to reproduce yourself in, in uh, uh, others. And, and so we want to make sure that we re, we're reproducing the, the right thing. Amen? Uh, let me see if anything else I want to say before I move on to uh, point one. <laughs> uh, I have a bunch of stuff scribbled down here, so let me see. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at it. We'll go back to the, We're going to get all of our, our points here uh, for this particular thing uh, from these scriptures. So, uh, well, praise God. In, uh, we'll just read this again. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18, and, then he, and he came, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the first thing that he mentions here, uh, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. We're talking about characteristics of a disciple so that we're looking at 
uh, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? He tells us what to do, but he also in these scriptures tells us what to look for and what to demonstrate. And so it's not a difficult thing. As Mark said, it's not difficult. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus lays it out for us. Uh, but, but there are things that we need to do. He knows better. So there are things we need to do. And the first thing that, that Jesus mentions, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And the reason why he said that to the disciples is so they know that he is the authority. It was important for them to know, his disciples to understand, that there was no authority outside of what Jesus had. There was no power outside of what Jesus now has, that all authority, all power has been given to him. A disciple recognizes the authority or the lordship of Jesus Christ. A disciple recognizes and realizes and respects, uh, looks to and yields to the lordship, the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's important. Go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians the 6th chapter. You know, this is why you know, I was saying earlier when we're talking about these things, if something uh, challenges you a little bit, uh, you know, we need, to be, we need to be quick to respond to these things. We need to be quick to respond to, to what the Scripture says um, because all authority does belong in what he says is the way to go. What he says is most important is most important. What he says we should be doing is what we should be doing. What he says that we should be involved in, are the, those areas are the things that we should be involved in. You know, it's real easy to, to try to uh, put... Uh, uh, attachments to what the Lord says. And when you do that, it's, things start getting real confusing. They start getting real mud, muddied up real quickly. Keep it simple. What's the Lord telling you to do and do that? You know, whatever it is, he's, I, I love Mary. You know, she, she uh, uh, told the, 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 the folks at the wedding, whatever he tells you to do, do that. Just whatever he tells you to do, do that. You know, there's such, there is such power in such a simple phrase, in such a simple concept. You know, this was one of the, fir the first recorded miracle that Jesus performed. Turning water into wine is a miraculous thing. And it happened just because people did what he told them to do. They, it happened just because they just did. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And so a lot of times we think, well, why, if I yield this, I yield that area, we put things of importance. Well, this is something that's really important to me, and it kind of goes cross-grain with what the Scripture says. You know, and, and you don't realize that if you try to overanalyze it, you can make things say what it doesn't really say. Ever been there before? Well, it says this, but it kind of also says you can try to justify things. Just keep it simple. Whatever he tells you to do, just do that. And say, well, this might go cross-grain to something I like or something I'd prefer to do. Know that if you will just do what he says to do, there is miracle power. There is glory waiting behind just a simple obedience to a simple command. I mean, there's something waiting for you if you'll just simply obey. It says here in 1 Corinthians, um, where did I tell you? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go over with me to the 19th chapter. This is something that every believer, if they're going to become a disciple, has got to get this understanding down on the inside of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And notice, you are not your own. Everybody say, I am not my own. And I know that is not a that's not a popular line of thought in the world today. 
It's not, it's not a popular line of thought. No, nobody can tell me what to do. That, that's, that's the world we live in, isn't it? That, that's the attitude of this life. And that is the attitude that got the enemy in trouble in the first place. You can't tell me what to do. I'm my own individual. What was he, he was exalting himself against God, and that caused him to lose everything he had. And that is, this is the starting point for any person who wants to, to move from a position of being a believer into being a disciple. They've got to not just know this, but they have to resign themselves to it and, and yield themselves to the fact that your life is not your own. That is not about control. That is not about, about you know, uh, keeping something from you. That is, that is about you becoming who he wants you to be. And so your life is not your own. My life is not my own. And when a person gets born again, whether they realize it or not, their life is no longer their own. Verse 20 goes on to say, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It, 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 it's something else. To, you know, you are a spirit being. You have a body. You live in a body and you possess a mind. But when a person gets born again, yes, you're, you're a spirit being and you have a body and you, you live in a body and you possess a mind. But at that point, it's really not even your spirit anymore. Your spirit belongs to him. Your body belongs to him. It's your body, but it belongs to somebody else. It's your mind, but, it, but it, it really, it does belong to someone else. And so we're instructed in the Word to do something with our mind. And so we, we've got to start working on these things. Well, it's not a luxury. It's not an option to not do something with your spirit, to glorify Him in your spirit. It's not, a, it's not an option to glorify Him in your body. It's not an option to renew your mind and, and to receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your soul, speaking of your mind, will, and emotions. It's not an option to do that. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you anymore. Right? I mean, if I were, if I, if, if you were to, if I were to, 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 uh, if somebody were to borrow something of mine and they were using it and I needed them to do something on it and whatever, I needed them to do something, if I asked them to do it or require that of them, then they have to do it. Why? Because it belongs to me. Until I sign over the ownership of it, they can do what they want to it if I were to sign it over. But as long as it's mine, it, it, it belongs to me. Right? And so even though you may be using it right now, it's still mine. And you still, have to, you still have to honor my wishes in that area. And so we have to see ourselves as though our lives are not our own. They belong to Jesus. He bought them with the price. And see, this is the first stumbling block why people don't want to become a disciple. They want salvation. They want fire insurance, but they don't want lordship. There is a difference between making Jesus your savior and making him the Lord of your life. There's a massive difference in the two. When he's just your Savior, that means you're taking something from him. When he's your Lord, that means you have to obey him. You have to, you have to, to listen and do what he tells you to do. And so we have to understand. We have to recognize all authority has been given to him. You know, when it comes to how you raise your kids, it's not up to you. And it gets quiet when you talk about kids. It's not up to you. When it comes to how you do your finances, it's no longer up to you. Listen, as long as you keep it, as long as we make it our decision and up to us, meaning outside of the will of God, you're not going to get God's results. You're going to get man's results. You're just not going to have his best. You know, what we do, really what we do in any area, who we marry, uh, uh, you know, what jobs we take. 
And they say, well, now, that, you know, some things the Lord isn't interested in. Yeah, there are some areas where the, the Lord isn't interested. He doesn't care what clothes you wear. He doesn't care, you know, unless he tells you wear something different. There are areas he leaves it up to you, right? But in the major decisions of life, and oftentimes small ones, he does care what you do. And if he gives you a command, if he gives you something, or tell, gives you instruction, whether it be in the word or whether it be uh, witness something to your heart, that it's our responsibility then to, 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 to obey that and to do what he says. If, we, if we're not doing that, then we're really not truly disciples. Go with me over to, um, uh, go with me over to, let me find it here. Praise God. Let me find where I want to go. It's in each of the Gospels, but I don't see which one I like best. Go with me over to, uh, uh, just go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew, the fourth chapter. We have to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. We have to recognize that. We have to not just recognize it, but then live aware of that. In Matthew chapter 4, in the 18th verse, uh, this is when he first called the disciples. He met, uh, 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 had the four disciples here. And uh, in verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Notice, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately followed, left their nets and followed him. What was it about these four guys that, that what was it in their life that Jesus recognized that caused them to be the, the first four disciples? Is they had a willingness to do whatever he said and to respond immediately. They recognized there was something about this man and they needed to respond to him. And there was something about them. In, in Luke, it talks about uh, the, the, a multitude was come, had come to hear Jesus to minister and, and uh, he'd walked back up basically to the shore of the sea and, and they were pressing all around him and, and, and Peter was in the boat mending the nets. And um, Jesus said, you know, come here and, and ask to get into the net or into the boat, not into the net, ask to get into the boat and uh, cast out a little bit, you know, uh, from the shore and uh, to speak, because he knew that he created the world, so he understood if he spoke over water to amplify his, his voice, he's that smart. So he knew that already. So he said, cast out to the sea, you know, uh, add a little ways, and Jesus began to minister to the crowd. And, um, and then he told uh, uh, Peter to cast his net out, you know, in the water. So we've been fishing, you know, all day, you know, but nevertheless, at your command, I'll do it. There was something about Peter. Peter, it didn't matter what it was, whether it made sense or not, Peter was going to do it. Peter was going to respond. No matter if it made sense or not, Peter would obey because he recognized authority. Why was, Peter able to, why, why was Peter the one who walked on the water? Peter was always looking and responding to authority. And what authority are we talking about? We're, we're talking about the authority of the Word of God. We're talking about the authority of God, the authority of the Lord Jesus in our lives. And so uh, 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 we have to recognize this. Go to Galatians, the second chapter. Galatians chapter 2. Everybody doing okay? Start talking about, you know, recognizing the lordship of Jesus. People, I know that's, oh, that's, that's a tough one. No, it's liberating. It is liberating. You know, when you learn to, to hear his voice and to respond to him, there's such joy in simple obedience. Amen? 
In Galatians chapter 2, Paul was writing here in this 20th verse. You know the scripture. He says, I have been. Notice that was something he, he, he saw has happened in the past. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. What is he talking about? His everyday life. The life I now live in the flesh, not just the life I live in the spirit, but the life I live in the flesh. See, we, it's easy to compartmentalize things. Well, this in spiritual things, I'll yield to God, but he's also interested in your everyday thing. He's interested in the everyday aspect of your life. He's interested in those things. He's got something to say about those things. Amen. He's got something to say about them. And, and Paul said, he's, or he said here, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, lives, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why, how is it okay or what, what is the safety in us recognizing and responding to the Lordship of Jesus? Paul just said it right here. He said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Why why was he able to do that? How was he able to to recognize and respond to the authority of of, of God, to the authority of Jesus? How was he able to do this? Because he knew that Jesus loved him and gave himself for him. It was something that he lived aware of. When you know someone loves you and has given everything for you, then you know you can trust that if they ask you to do something, it's for your benefit. Right? It's for your benefit. You know that. You know that, that you know, if my wife asks me to do something, I know she loves me. And if it's about a, a making a major decision or doing, I need you to do this, and, she, and it's something she wants me to do. I don't have to worry, is this something, is this going to harm me? Because I know she loves me. She wouldn't ask me to do or require me to do something that would be a detriment to me. It would be something that would, now may, at times it may be tough. It may be difficult, but in the end it's for my benefit. It, there, it's, not, it's not something that's bad. It's like when you ask your kids to do something. You're asking them to do something. You don't ask them to play in the street because you want them to get hit by a car. No, you ask them to do something that would be a blessing to them. Right? You ask them to do things to protect them, to, to preserve them, to put them in a position to, 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 that they can do what God's called them to do. You're asking them to make sacrifices and do this and do that. Why? Because you're looking out for them long term. So why, how was Paul able to do this? How, how did he live a life and say, well, you know, the life I live, it's, it's not only I, no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by, the faith, uh, uh, by faith in the Son of God. He, he knew that God loved him. Listen, outside of an understanding of the love of God, none of this will work for you. It'll be difficult outside of knowing how much he loves you. It'll be difficult. It'll be difficult to do. But the good news is we, 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 we know that he, we, that he does, right? We know that he does in the Word. And as you spend time with him, it's evident that he does. Amen. He's looking for your benefit. He's looking to be a blessing to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, let's see, it means where, where I want to go from here. Jesus understood authority. Go over with me to Matthew chapter 6. What's another reason why we can trust him? Because he understood authority. You know, it's one thing to, to be, have you ever had a boss that, that has never worked for anybody before? That can be one of the worst places to be in, right? Because they don't understand what it means to, 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 to be an employee. Have you been there before? 
They, 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 they don't know what it means to have employees and so to work for them. It's, 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 a, it's a dangerous thing because you, you, you can't trust them. Are they going to ask things that are unreasonable, right? Well, we can trust the Lord and recognize that authority and yield to that because he, he's, he understands authority. Go over to um, uh, look at Matthew, the sixth chapter. These are important things. This, 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 these are things we need to be aware of. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Of course, you know, this is the, uh, uh, the prayer, that, that a model prayer that he gave us. And this is not what, how we're supposed to pray. But it does, it does um, uh, uh, give us an insight into how we keep our priorities when we pray, right? In uh, Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Notice he started off by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus, his whole approach to everything was recognizing that he was there to do the will of the Father. That, that was on the forefront of everything that he did. Even this model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't talk about himself. He didn't reference his plan, his ideas. He first referenced the fact that, that he is God and that his will needs to be done. Jesus lived aware of this. You, how many times we read in the scripture that he said, I've come to, to, to do the will of my father. What the words I say are the words that my father has me to say, right? I don't speak anything of my own will, but of the will of the one who sent me. And he didn't even let words come out of his mouth that were just his. They had to be the father's words. He understood authority. Go with me over to um, uh, the 26th chapter, Matthew 26. Of course, we, we've read, you've, you've read this before, but it's good to look at it again. Jesus understood authority. Matthew chapter 26. He's here in the, in the garden, verse 36. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter and the two sons Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. Uh, stay here and watch with me. You know, I don't believe we'll really understand the, the crossroad that Jesus was at and the, and the gravity of the decision he was making. He was the son of God, but he understood what this meant. He understood what was waiting for him. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrow, even to death. Stay here and watch. It's pretty bad when you're sorrowful to the point of death. You, you, you're sorrowful. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, God is not offended by us saying, Lord, is there, anything, is there another way I can do this? He's not offended by that. He's not offended by that. You do realize that, right? Now, if you keep asking, he's told you a hundred times, and you keep asking as you're looking for a different response, he may not like that. That's not what Jesus was. Ever had your kids ask something and you tell them no? And they come back and ask you, well, can I do it this way? No, I, I want it done this way. Well, can I do it this way? No, I want it done this way. We don't play that game at our house. We tell you what to do. You come back a second time, you're in trouble. You know, we've already told you what to do. This is the way it needs to be, right? And so, you know, Jesus was, of course, Jesus asked three times. That's a bad thing. I guess I'm, I'm a, a tougher parent than, than God is. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, Lord, I forget. 
Sorry, kids, I'll be nicer. But anyway, but four times, you're dead. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> they're going to ask everything three times now. But anyway, no. Uh, but he's not offended by that because Jesus' heart was right. Jesus wanted to do the Father's will. But this was such a massive deal. If there's any other way we can do this, if there's anything else, if, there, if this cup can, if we can do anything else, let this cup pass before me. But he, he, he didn't even wait for a response. He immediately said, he immediately said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I mean, he asked if there's anything else I can do, but he didn't even, he wanted to make sure that the father knew. I'm asking if there's anything else I can do, but I want you to know whatever you want to do, that's the way we're going to do it. Whatever it is you say, that's what we're going to do. That's probably why I got away with asking three times. I'm sure that's why, right? And so then he went on again, saying three times he prayed this. He understood authority. Even in a decision like that, he was willing to lay his life down and know what was waiting for him. And it wasn't just a physical thing. It was the shame that was involved. It was the, the mocking that was involved. It was going to hell, being separated from, from his father, who he'd always been with. They'd always been together. All of those things, he was aware of that. But, you know, even in that situation, Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. Well, you know, it's our job to be imitators and to be like him. And if he was able to do that at the point of the cross, we can yield our life. We can, if he could die... Because it was the Father's will, we can live for him because it's the Father's will, right? And so we have to understand the Lordship of Jesus. We have to recognize yourself. you got to realize everybody is serving something or someone. you got to know that everybody is serving something or someone. A, 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 an individual who doesn't want to yield their will and recognize the Lordship of Jesus, they are serving something or someone. A no to him is a yes to somebody else or to something else. You know, and, and people who resist the leading of, the, of what, the, what the Lord would have them to do, they're, they're not free to make their own decision. They're just serving something else. We're, we, we, we're serving something. We're serving someone, right? Sometimes we're, we're serving our own ourselves, and sometimes, and that's the worst person you can serve. As our flesh, our stingy, nasty, selfish flesh. I don't want to do that because it, it, it hurts me a little. It goes against what I want to do in this situation. You're serving your flesh. You're serving something that you can't trust, that it doesn't love you. Let's be, let's, let's be, let's be real, right? It, it, your flesh doesn't love you. Your emotions don't love you. Your emotions don't love you. And to do things just because that, that, that's, that, that feels good, if it's, if it's in opposition to the word, it, it doesn't really care about it. It's looking for its own, right? And so, you know, we, we, we have to learn to trust him. You know, I've, made, I've had to make decisions in my life in the past that, that went against what I want to do in the flesh and went against what my emotions wanted to do. I had to make decisions that, that were, at times, they were difficult, you know, uh, there, there, there's many times I had to make decisions that were difficult that I knew making with relationships, with this, with that. You know, I had to, the Lord was leading me to do one thing. And, and, you know, I knew if I made that decision, if I obeyed him, it was saying no to this. It was shutting the door on, in this area, on this thing, in, in, in this maybe dream that I had that, or just thing that I wanted to do. Right? 
So I thought, you know, the Lord would, wants to fulfill the desires of her. He does. But, you know, a lot of times the, the desires of your will at the moment aren't the, really the desires of your heart because they don't lead where you want to go. But you don't know it till you get there. You took the wrong path, right? I've had to say the Lord had dealt with me about doing things in the past that they were difficult to do. It was hard on us to do. But, you know, that, that, that is, uh, uh, it pays to obey. It pays to obey. Why? And you know you can trust him when he asks you to do something. It's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. If we'll obey him, it's for your benefit in the end. It's for, and that doesn't mean you're not going to have opposition. You're going to have opposition, but it's for your benefit. So you, you, you obey those things. We've all had areas where we've had to submit, right? We've all had areas where we've had to yield our will. Hmm. You know, until we submit to the Word of God and the leading of the Spirit, we just can't move forward. You just won't be a, a real disciple if you won't submit. Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. We've read this scripture uh, around here a lot in, in the last... Um, Last few weeks, I've read it several times. Others have read it. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. What does it mean? That's talking about yielding your will to his. You know, nobody can make you yield in an area unless you, it's your will, you have to yield it. You have to yield and um, it's important that we, we maintain a life where we're open to whatever the Lord would have us to do. Amen? You know, I don't know. I, I just have a sense tonight that there are things, and, and I know this is, this is going to be true because people, we have people here, all kinds of things that are going on. But, you know, whatever the Lord is laying on your heart, if you're, if you're uh, uh, in the position to make a move or do something and, it's, and the Lord is telling you not to do it, you know, we don't always have scriptures on things. We don't have scriptures on things always. We, we do have scriptures on some things, right? I mean, you don't need to pray about should you tithe or not. You don't need to pray about that. You know, and people pray about things that really the, the reason, and that's something that I, I, can't, I can't speak for God, but I can only imagine if I were him, if somebody were praying about something that I told him plainly to do and asking me to do, uh, to, to do, can I do something else, that would probably irritate me a little bit, right? I mean, that, 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 if I laid something down plain for someone I needed them to do that was under me, and they came back, and they know that's that, that there's there's no there's no question. This is what I expect you to do. And they were to be like, yeah, can I can I really do it this way? I'd be like, well, really? Are you asking me that right now? Anybody else would be the same way. And I don't know. I'm sure God is more patient than me. Obviously, He's more patient than me. But um, uh, we have areas in our life where uh, uh, where you know where these scenes are concerned. You know, I hope you realize that when Pastor gets up or or, or Pastor Angela, myself, or whoever, and, and talks about things, you know, we've had people leave the church. Uh, and, and, and some of the things they've mentioned before because, you know, they're always, the, pa the churches, the pastors are always after us to be in church and, her, you know, always harassing us to be in church. You know, what, what do you expect? Right? 
I mean, what, what do you expect? Well, Amy and I know of a, a minister that, that would tell his people, you know, a pastor mentions this, but we actually know him personally and, and heard this. You know, if you don't want to come to church, if you just rather go to the beach, go to the beach. What a ridiculous thing for a pastor to say, right? Now, if you're going on vacation, go on vacation, have a great time. But just Sunday morning, you're scheduled to work in the kids' department, you do, but you decide you'd rather go to the beach. You ought to show up and fulfill your obligation. You ought to be in church, right? Not just looking for opportunities to take off. And do whatever you want to do, right? Paul was making a crazy face at me. It kind of scared me there for a minute. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, so things that are written, we don't need to pray about those things. But there are other areas when we go to make a move. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. He's our guide. He's there to lead us and guide us in things. You know, when Amy and I were, were uh, uh, getting ready to, you know, we knew that we were going to go to Ramah. Uh, I've told this before. We knew we were going to go to Ramah. Um, you know, uh, we, we really hadn't been praying about it. We just woke up one day. I think we had tried to go before and looked into it. And I had actually looked into going out there before her and I were married and, and uh, had actually gotten accepted and, and went out and picked out an apartment, all of this stuff, you know. And, and I knew it was wrong. I just knew it was the wrong thing to do. And so I didn't go. Uh, I wrote Pastor Hagen a, a letter. Like he really cares to get a letter from me. But I wrote, I'm sorry, Pastor Hagen, I can't come. I'm sure he was heartbroken. But anyway, um, you know, I wrote him a personal letter. You know, sorry, I can't come. But I'll be out there eventually. But now it's not the right time. Well, when Amy and I decided to go, you know, uh, we just, we, we really hadn't been praying about it or seeking God about it. But, you know, if you're in fellowship with the Lord, he will alert you to things. And sometimes he'll alert you to something you're not even thinking about it. See, well, I only have to yield if, I'm, if it's something that's just it's a burning thing that I've been praying about. I'll yield to that. No, if he gets your attention on anything, you need to obey. And so we, I, we woke up one day. We were just sitting there. I said, you know, I think we're supposed to go to Ramah. She said, you know, I think you're right. It bore witness in our hearts. What if we had not obeyed that? What if we had not obeyed that? I mean, if we had said we'd wait another year or do something, you know, just wait a few months, it, it, it would have drastically have changed our life. So we have, we, a lot of times there are things that we don't have word, we don't have scripture for them, but you, it, you realize the leading of the Holy Ghost will never violate this. But if your heart tells you to do something, you have to obey that. Now, I'll also say this because, uh, just because it needs to be said, if the Lord, if your heart is telling you to do something and those who love you in the Lord and are trustworthy people are are. Uh, cautious or have a, a, a warning about that, you need to pay attention to that. People say, well, you're telling me what to do. No, you, we, ought to, we ought to be open to one another. Has anybody ever missed it before in hearing what God is telling them to do? Duh, right? We all have, right? Uh, but, you know, if you know it's right and you, it seems right to those who, who you know love you and have a heart for you, you just got to obey those things. No matter what it is, you got to obey it. You have to obey it. If you don't, you're, you're, you're not in a position to be a disciple. You're just not. And, why, and we're talking about creating disciples and others. If we don't yield in our own personal, how can you instill that in somebody else? Right? How can you instill that in somebody that you're ministering to? If you're not yielded, how can you instill that in them? You just can't. Right? I mean, you, you can't instill something in someone else's life that you can't even walk out on your own. Right? And so it's something we've got to develop this in ourselves. We've got to develop this within us, amen, so we can make sure that we are uh, 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 putting this in other people. It's the reason why a lot of Christians seem to fail and their lives are continually a wreck, because they just won't submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They just won't submit. They just won't submit. 
Well, this area I know better. No, if the word says this, if the Lord's told you this, you don't know better. Just obey. Just obey. Amen? Praise God. I'm not going to get into the next one because we won't have time. So I will just stop right here. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. I hope that was okay for everybody. You know, the recognizing the lordship of Jesus in every area of your life is vital. I said it's vital. It's such an important thing that we do. It's such an important thing. I, I challenge you, you know, if there's something you're facing, uh, I was saying this earlier, you know, if there's something that, a decision or something that you're, maybe you're involved in or some endeavor that's going on or something's happening you know, and you're getting a check on the inside or a hesitation, everybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Ghost on the inside, he's our guide. He's our guide. And like I said, sometimes you don't have scripture, you don't have scripture and verse for it, but you do have the Holy Ghost and and. Oftentimes that inward witness will just be something's not right. Something's not right. Something's not right. Listen, I encourage you, don't ignore that. Get in there and find out what that is. Sometimes, you know, when that happens, I found in my own life when that happens, it's not always that the answer is you shouldn't do that. Sometimes it's you need to pray about this and, and to change some things in prayer right? The Lord is leading you to get involved and to shape something because on face value, it's not quite right. But if you put some attention in that direction, it can get fixed, right? Other times it's a, it's, it's a, it, that, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, Amy and I, um, uh, I don't know who I was talking to the other day, but anyway, we were talking, it was Rodney. We were talking about planes and he's somebody that a plane had crashed. Where was that? In Atlanta, had crashed, and and uh, I was telling him, you know, that Amy and I once uh, uh, we were we were uh, in Gainesville about to take off, and her, her she was gonna. I was just for the ride. Um, uh, you don't want me flying, but anyway, she was flying, and I was just on for the ride. And so we're sitting. Uh, we went to the airport, about to take off, and then I think we just got in the plane. If my memory serves correct. Back from having an annual done or some work done to it or something. They had worked on the plane, and so we went through all the pre-flight checks, you know, and uh, checked everything out, and and. Um, Everything worked out great. You've got a long list of stuff you've got to do, and it covers everything. You're looking at everything. And so we checked it out, and everything seemed good. So we, we, we went down the, uh, uh, the taxiway. We're in the holding spot right before you get on the runway. And I just like, you know, something's just not right. And she said, you know, something's not right. I just had a, we just had a sense that something's not right. And so, you know, she's, well, so she went through the list again and checked everything, and everything was fine. And so we kind of sat there for a minute, and, and we've got clearance to take off. And, 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 you know, I was like, something's just not right. I think we, she did it a third time. Check everything out, look at everything. And in the natural, everything is perfect. It, it couldn't see, you, you, you couldn't tell anything was wrong. So we sat there for a second, like, well, you know, we, what are we going to do? So we talked about it. Well, let's just take it back to the mechanic and have him look at it. I don't know what's going on, but, but something's not right. So we drove the plane back, went to the mechanic, and told him, something's wrong with the plane. Well, what's wrong? I don't know. They thought we were crazy. What do you mean you don't know? Is, is this happening? Is that? No, everything's fine. It, all that's working. So what's the problem? I don't know. Something's wrong. Okay, I just just look at it. I mean, just just look at the plane. People think you're nuts. Just look at it. Something's not right. And so they there was a, a bolt or something on the rear rear stabilizer or something in the back of the plane that that we'd have gotten what the aileron. Okay, that was uh, barely on there on the, on the screw was barely attached, and we had taken off and under the stress of takeoff, we'd have gotten about four or five hundred feet off the ground, and that would have popped off, and we'd have been dead. I mean, we were that close to something that you could not tell in the natural there's any problem. 
couldn't see it. Everything's working great. If, if you lose that on takeoff, that's what happened. sounds like what happened to the guy in Atlanta on takeoff. They made a few a couple hundred feet and just crashed right down into the interstate. Well, if we had done that, we'd have left our kids orphaned. My parents would be raising three more kids. They don't want any of that, you know. <laughs> they would not be happy people right now. And so, you know, Kendra's like, no, they wouldn't. She knows. She knows. They, they love you, but not that much. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we, but we didn't have anything other than just a, that was a life and death decision. I mean, you know, that moment we came very close. Nick, are you sure you would have died? I can't say 100 for 100%, but if you're 400 feet off the ground and you go nose first into the ground, you can't glide anywhere. You don't have any speed to do anything. Chances are you're dead or extremely messed up. Life will never be the same. All it was was just a something's not right. So if you're in the midst of doing something, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job change, maybe it's, you know, a decision, you know, about schooling or whatever it is, houses to buy, whatever it is. If, you, if something's not right, take the time, recognize, listen, if the Lord is dealing with you, take the time to find out what that is. He may need you to pray something out. He may, you, may need you to change course. And no matter how difficult of a decision it is, trust him. I, mean, I felt, We felt stupid taking the plane back. I can't tell you what's wrong, but something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. We felt really stupid. It saved our life just listening to that. It saved our life just listening to that. There are other times when it comes to investing where we didn't listen and we lost a bunch of money. You know, it can be in your finance. It can be in all kinds of things. Listen. When the, when the Lord is dealing with you, he's not just trying to make you jump through. He's out to protect you. I tell you, the word, you, 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 it's just important you check up on that. Amen. Well, praise God. God's good. And you know, being a disciple, they'll just respond. They left their nets immediately. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll respond right away. Don't give yourself an out. Respond right away. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's lift our hands and praise the Father. We love you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.